0001, bottom of the barrel podcast episode. Who knows? Aaron and Doug have no plan. Accurate statement. <laughs> it is an accurate <laughs> statement. We just spent a significant amount of time trying to figure out the soundboard because Brian has taken an extended vacation and Aaron has broken his microphone stand. We should not start this yet. I like it. I think this is how all of them should start. Like, here we are. I'm wearing my pistol rig. I was just doing dry fire 30 seconds ago, and I figured out how to make it work. It's us acting like dumb monkeys in the sound room. You're not allowed to say that in the 21st century. (laughs) You you can't reference. I'm talking, dude. Yes. Fucking chimpanzees hopping up and down on on equipment. (laughs) The files are inside the computer. Okay, so um, here we are. We haven't. We've we've established no game plan. Uh, our day to day has been uh, playing catch up on a ton of emails and tech stuff. And here we are conducting a podcast. I just ate uh, arroz con pollo, which is my favorite Mexican dish. Did uh, you go to Taco Bell or no? No, I didn't. I went to Pueblo Viejo. All right, whatever. It's a good call. No, it was, it was delicious. It's like seven dollars for a giant plate of chicken and rice and there you go, man. queso. It's not healthy, and I can tell myself it is. I even got a haircut from uh from from my barber here in town. It was a great finding a barber in in Hillsburg, North Carolina has been a challenge. And I'm not saying that from the dandy side of me, you know? Like I'm just saying like I've been to a variety of barbers here. Um I can enumerate one barber in Hillsboro who I've told been told is the greatest barber here. <clears throat> I walked in there. He has a, it's a very quaint hometown feeling place. He uses a Floby. And the last time I had my hair cut by a Floby. I don't know, man. That You shouldn't allow to be a, be allowed to be a barber if you use a Floby. Well, I mean, it's not a real Floby, but it's like, so I feel like people that have eva- like HVAC systems tied to their clippers learned how to cut hair in the Marine Corps or the Army. And like, it's like you call yourself a barber, but you're really just a, like a shears manager. You're like, you're like a sheep shearer, you know, <laughs> right. Come on in, boy. I'll give you good haircut. So you walk in and everyone's like, he's a really good barber. You should go there. And I'm like watching the vacuum just <sighs> suck hair into it as he gives everyone a flat top. And I'm thinking, all right, well, I'll tell him what I want and he'll do fine. And then he turns to face me and greet me. And he has one eye. and i'm like no man like i mean like there's a part of me wants to trust everyone who's told me he's a great barber there's another part of me that said floby put me in is questionable you're hearing the fucking horror movie voice in the the back of your mind get out yeah yeah for sure like he's like uh hey great to see you today i'll get with you uh immediately and i'm thinking how does a person with one i have the depth perception necessary to sculpt hair so did you wait until he was turned and the I bad sat, eye was towards you and no, you just fucking slowly walk out i did what all good human intelligence guys do i got my phone out and pretended that there was an emergency and then said hey man my wife just called me i'm gonna get out of here i'll be back later and then you never return there you go i've gone back there three times thinking that i had given him a bad shake and every time i go he's closed which is i think to my advantage uh, it's also worth noting in Hillsborough, North Carolina, four of the barbers in town are all in the same shopping center. Hmm. So two of the others don't deal with my kind of hair. Um, like, doesn't mean I'm not going to go in there because I like a hard part. So I figure if you're going to cut shapes in somebody's hair and it's stacked tall, you could probably cut my hair. What does hair. that mean? They don't deal with your kind of hair. My hair is too straight. They only deal with curly hair? Yes, Aaron. Got it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Are you putting two and two together finally? Sure am. I'll just say, I'm not the kind of kitten to drink the milk if it goes sour, if you know what I mean. Either way, I've been into both of those places, and I have willingly allowed them to cut my hair, and they were awesome dudes, and yet they still did things to me that shouldn't be done to my hair. Like, when I have intermediate-length bangs, they razor them, so I then get stuck with, like, very short bangs and only a lot of pomade hold into place. <laughs> like, it's like, why do I look like Sinead O'Connor? I didn't mean to get an undercut on my forehead. You Doug's know? the newest member of Icy Cold Stunners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, you're like, I also got a 1992 Mitsubishi Eclipse. And I have uh, the Atlanta Falcons logo cut <laughs> in the side of my head. <laughs> Dude, when I was in junior high, one of my friends had this t-shirt from an ACDC concert that a dude had like shaved his whole head and the only hair that was remaining on the back, you know, was the ACDC logo. Yes. I was like, I really want to do that. The barber Radical. that I went to was like, ah, like, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. But I will shave ACDC like into the back into of the head. head. You know, you can't see it, right? So I was like, all right, let's do it, man. He fucking did it and totally spaced it out wrong. And yes. like the last C in DC was like kind of on Around the side. Around your ear. <laughs> like, like way bigger. I went home. Just, uh, did you shave fucking, your head? Had shave the rest of it off oh i hate that man. at least the bottom you know the best part about having hair is that it grows back i remember you were shaving your head for a while and i think you were convinced that it was never growing back and now you've grown it back and it looks fabulous and you're like thanks Doug. <laughs> it's true man like for a while there i knew when you were growing it back you were like i don't know maybe i should just keep shaving it i'm like no no it's a full head of hair bro no man i had i feel like everyone fucking lies to me this is just me being paranoid <laughs> I had a, I, for, before I started shaving my head, I was like looking in the mirror. I'm like, man, my hair looks like it's pretty fucking thin. I'm asking, especially my wife, who obviously spends a lot of time around me. But is definitely going to lie to you. Right. Yeah. You know, is my hair looking really thin? Like, I feel like it, it's pretty thin. No, no, no. It's cool. We were Skyping with an old au pair of ours, former au pair. The Austrian or the Austrian? Oh, wait. That's Swede. Swede. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm confusing and you with Brian's au pairs. I got on the floor with one of my kids when they were much younger and I got that fucking top-down look from the camera. Oh, you didn't like it, huh? I was like, every single person I've asked is fucking lying <laughs> straight to my face. I know it looks good, dude. I don't think it's a problem. I uh, thanks, I think man. that your hair in general has that going on it's, and it's like universally okay as opposed to like the ones that bother me are when it's like it's an engineered floof job. Like, hey, I use a I use a circular brush uh, to get body right. and a hair dryer. 80s I'm, style. Yeah, and I'm like, why do you do that to yourself, man? Like it's it takes so much effort to create a subpar product when you can really just you know, you could just shave your head. Yeah, man. Or you uh, could just leave it laying on your head and act like it doesn't bother you. Dude, I lived through the nineties with the uh popular side shave but like super long on top oh like yeah, yeah. me too coming off the back i always wanted that my parents wouldn't let me get a haircut like that in retrospect so at the time i felt like my parents were trying to ruin me living my best life i look back and i'm grateful that the only faux pas they allowed me to commit was wearing white jeans <laughs> <laughs> i didn't get you know what i stayed away from white jeans i stayed away from cavaricis zubaz yeah. and uh i don't even remember what the fucking other did you never are. have any zubazes no nah, man i did um, parachute pants. Baby. My parents were really not cool with like my parents that either. kind of fashion stuff. Nope, mine were not either. My so. parents, my parents were uh, there was a Ralph Lauren family, nah. or or alternately the darn tough jeans. Like I, I was allowed to get jeans at Kmart. Actually, that's not true. We couldn't shop at Kmart because Kmart 
uh, was pro abortion. Mm-hmm. We could get <laughs> could get jeans at Walmart. Well, dude, how are companies even signaling that shit back then? I don't know what it was that made people believe. I think it was money they donated into charitable. Like right. I think that it was like in a, I think a that, news article or something. Yeah, lonely housewives everywhere were pouring through charitable donation reports and like finding out that like you know Kmart gave money to Planned Parenthood or something, and it was like a nationwide ban from all evangelicals to Kmart. Did you guys have Venture in Texas? Uh, no, I've never heard of that. Is that a like a super, a mega store? Yeah, it was like a Kmart type thing. Right on. I mean, but. I think it's funny how how far we've come on mega stores now too. Where like when I was growing up, you know, uh, I think back at how shitty all those stores were. Dude, did you, did you guys have service merchandise? Yep, for sure. What a fucking horrible name for a company. (laughs) No, dude, service merchandise. Service merchandise was the, the older manifestation of Best Buy, except you could get nicer. For sure. But I I just, somewhere someone was like, you know what a great name for this company is going to be? This store, we're going to call it service merchandise. And a bunch of fucking dudes sitting around the table were like, yep, that sounds great. Do you feel like- It doesn't even fucking make any sense. Do you feel like marketing was like a lower bar profession back then? <laughs> I think everything was a lower bar profession. It's literally then. like when when you have, uh, what was John Hamm's character's name on fucking Mad Men? Uh, I only saw a couple episodes. Uh, but I mean, when that guy is the gold standard. Well, the, uh, the Cola Wars era of yeah, marketing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Madison Avenue. Tastes great, less filling. What I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Think about the fact that guys would spend a year crafting six words is like a an ad campaign. Can you picture how cunty you think your boss was as they were like, I don't think that the is the right article to it. Like, the fresh maker. Are we sure that the is the right article? Maybe it should be a fresh maker. Dude, yeah, I, that shit still goes on. Look at what you did. You hear what Jeff was saying earlier this week? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes I listen to Jeff attentively. Other times, Jeff says things, and I immediately am like, beep. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I didn't hear what happened. Jeff was talking about how he was talking to one of his agency friends, and Jeff was like, "Yeah, here's like the eight things that I go through every week." regularly aside from like all the other shit that comes up and his buddy was just blown away and he's like yeah man back in the agency world you'd have six people working on like one email for an entire week and everyone's got to sign off exactly what you were saying about like should we use you know this this preposition or do we feel like this is, is this the right picture should this guy be looking right instead of looking left you know um i will say <clears throat> we stumbled into that morass once here and never awfully, again no no for sure there was like a lot of grumbling and petulant behavior on my part and then you just quit asking if the face should be turned right or left and everyone was happy <laughs> and you know what no customer Wait, you're blaming this on me no you remember when it used to be like i'm pretty it, we, hey that one with the rifle it's it's too far to the left. The picture is imbalanced or whatever. And I was like, the only reason we've ever, ever, ever talked about shit like that <laughs> has been when we're trying to put, superimpose something on the picture and it could be moved easily. And we, and we no, <laughs> <laughs> when we wanted the picture skewed to one side. Yeah. Well, obviously 
you and I have different recollections of how this that's, went. That's there fine. was a period of my life at Softly where it felt like every day was another. I'm not sure I think this is the best picture for this. And we've we've totally grown past that. It's not a thing anymore. I feel like it's either because I'm doing a really good job, which is not true, or alternately because you've given up, which I think is more likely. No, I, just, I think that we're moving at a faster pace. I like that. We should move at a fast pace forever. I mean, listen, back in the day, the the way, way, way back in the day, you know, a Bill, magazine went out monthly. Bill and Brent and I oh, sat around us discussing, you know, exactly what color every T-shirt should be, and is the picture big? I mean, these were like major things, right? I feel that like would take back hours in the day, of discussion. You all universally agreed that it was okay to steal hot rap tracks to put over skydiving clips, mm. and then now we've like matured at different speeds. So, like, there's certain somehow Softly's become a real company. No one fucking knows how it happened. I certainly don't either but I, I believe that it has a lot to do with your parenting I remember when I was doing fly-by-night things out of my back shop and I did not work with you guys and you would routinely I, I had monthly adulting calls with you where you would ask me if I had checked certain basic blocks of responsible behavior in my business <laughs> like, are you using QuickBooks have you have you filed as an LLC uh, yeah, I'd totally done that. <laughs> and like, if I get off the phone with you and like immediately scurry to Google search, like, how do I start an LLC? <laughs> hey, man, everyone's gonna learn somewhere. Oh yeah, I well, didn't fucking thank you. I'm not in jail, thanks to you. I so didn't come out of the womb knowing this shit. Yeah, well, we've all <laughs> luckily none of us are in jail yet. So I, uh, you know, who knows? Speaking of being in jail, I really we've talked about cool things carved in the side of our heads. My the new barber that I have is actually pretty rad. He has hand tattoos that look like they are they are not high quality hand tattoos, mm-hmm. um, and they're not the brand of his current barber shop. So he's not destined to be fired from there immediately. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's the curse of death. It's like getting your wife's name tattooed on you. <laughs> Divorce coming. Um, <clears throat> no, good dude cuts hair well. Um, like he listens and he doesn't bother me while I'm there. So I conduct work on my phone the whole time. He's <laughs> cutting my hair and then I leave. It's fucking great. Um, I got a haircut there. I'm just saying, um, to segue into carvings on the side of your head. Kim was watching a documentary on A and E last night on Nexium. Are you familiar with Nexium? No. It sounds like some sort of it sounds like a pill, a pharmaceutical thing, right? Yeah. It's not. It's a cult. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, you didn't bring your laptop, and I turned my phone off. It's like, but dude, we're gonna we're gonna I, totally hip pocket this. I have. This just reminded me yeah. of, I think, a thing that we can do for content yeah. that I really, really, really wanted to do. Are we talking about this ago. on this podcast to see if we get positive feedback? Sure. All right. What is it? All right. So what I was wondering years ago was like, you have all these cults, right? Yes. And it's easy from the outside to be like, oh, those people are all fucking crazy, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't feel that way at all. I watch these things and I immediately think I can start a cult. Dude, not only <laughs> could I start a cult, but here's the other thing. And I, this is this is kind of an apples to orange kind of analogy. I used to hate country music. I'm not a huge fan of it now. Texas country. But like folksy, bluegrassy stuff is cool. Yeah. Well, all right. Country Saying country music is like one genre. Yeah. Is, Kind of the fifty. Anything that's field. mass produced out of Nashville and micromanaged by marketing people sucks. All right, what in high school? It I, all sucked to you. There wasn't a lot of country music around. There's no nuance. I got it, it exactly. It all sucked. I worked in a bike shop in high school. Bicycle shop, Schwinn shop. Back then, that was like Schwinn's still a fucking great bikes. Solid brand. 
And, uh, and they went the way of Xerox. There were two brothers that ran the shop. One of them was super into classic rock. One of them was really into country. Most of the summers that I was there, we listened to classic rock, WCKG in Chicago all summer long, like 40 hours a week, classic rock, Jeff, Jethro Tull, yep. Blue Oyster Cult, like pretty solid. One summer, the other brother insisted that we were listening to, I think it was called The Blaze or something. It was like really kind of fucking lame country song or country station. Listen to that shit for 40 hours a week, 12, I mean, 500 hours over the summer. Yeah, right? yeah. By the end of the summer, I had like three Garth Brooks albums. And, you know, it was like so. Whether you like country music or not, Garth Brooks is a talented musician. I agree, but I'm just saying, and a showman. My point is that after enough exposure, yeah, I was fucking converted. Oh, so you believe so that your feelings about country music mirror people being being acclimated? Well, to a cult. here's what I'm saying: Could you go undercover into a cult and resist being converted into the cult? Um, so. My knee-jerk reaction is no. How long do you think you could resist it? I don't think that you – so I think that the play – I think that the desired end result, right, would be that you're somehow in charge of the cult, at least in my head. I'm thinking like how do you – No, I'm thinking doing like an undercover documentary on a cult. Oh. I mean, it's basically like being a spy, right? Did you see that thing? Oh, man. Like, we're, we're like going to wander so much. What was the name of that Netflix document? Like, it was a docudrama about the guy who basically- Wild Wild West? Or? No, that was really good, too. But the one about- Not the, Wild. That's the Will the wa- Smith song. Wild Country? <laughs> wild Wild Country. All right. Yeah. No, um, not about them, because that was really interesting. That was mm-hmm. like a crazy successful cult. Yeah. Um, I'm speaking about- There's- um, I can't remember the name of it. Um, there was a documentary about a guy who pretended to be a like a great meditation yogi. He just created his own story in LA. He started having people show up. He was filming it specifically to do an expose on like how easy it is to influence people to join a cult. All right. But he like created this really successful following where everyone like, got to run with this. No, he ran with the thing in the big it was, you can tell like he gets kind of conflicted as it goes on. Cause he, he's friends with these people who are in the cult, but he it's like, but I'm also making a lot of money. No, he didn't make, I mean, obviously I'm he sure must've been making money. Sure. Dude, he made money off the, the whole point drama. of every cult is to make money. Well, so this guy was making money off the docudrama, not the cult. The whole point was to film everything and like be like, hey, why did you guys get dragged into this? This was all so fake. Like he made everything up. Everything he said, it was just a random creation. So what do you think about the idea of you going undercover into a cult for like a month? Which cult? I don't know. Let's find one. God damn it. We should send George. He's not highly susceptible. Man. <laughs> George would definitely end up being the leader of the cult. Um, I mean, George would be in the cult. I don't know if he'd be the leader or not. He would definitely. He would. He would. It would not take long for George to be convinced that whatever truth was being peddled was the the truth. Sorry, George. You're really selling George down the river here, man. <laughs> well, dude, that's the thing. Is like if you look. So this Nexium thing was crazy, right? Because if you look at it. <laughs> You're like you're saying from the outside looking in, it's easy to be like, oh, my God, these people were idiots. Why did they do this? But then when you really like you, you hear them, you see what they're talking about. I think that there's like this peer pressure. So <clears throat> the cult Nexium, and I'm actually I'm turning my phone on to Google this because recently everyone involved in the cult has been indicted in some way or other going to prison and they're famous. This is the the best part about all of it. Um, by the way, 
Nexium is a proton pump inhibitor. It is. It is a drug. Um, but it is also a I thought cult. It's, it's purple and gold, right? Yes. Uh, th- now I'm you, sure I've seen ads for it. It's spelled differently. It's okay. N-X-I-V-M. How cool is that? Nexium, the sex cult. Yep. Now this is where things get interesting. It started as a multi-level marketing company out of Albany, New York. And it was personal and professional development seminars, uh, executive success programs, like ridiculous shit. All right. It was started by this dude, Keith Rainier, um, who is not handsome at all. Um, he apparently indoctrinated this chick, Allison Mack, who was an actress on Smallville. My, my wife was immediately like, oh, I recognize her. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I, she looks famous. So I just don't know who she is. Um, so, this whole thing is like spun out of control. It's been going on for like 15 years. I guess it's taken on new shape as it's gotten, as it's gotten like as, as it became more successful. But this dude, Keith Rainier basically conned Allison Mack to be his pimp. Um, she was like running out a bunch of like basically turning every female follower of Nexium, maybe not every, but a large number into sex slaves for Keith Rainier. They were voluntarily doing all these things. Like it was a very kinky dominant submissive relationship with people that were in a kind of like I pay for play Scientology esque style um, infrastructure. And the best part is like they were, punishing themselves like if you lived in a city where there was another member of your cult like like an accountability partner and you didn't like you didn't answer a text message in 60 seconds then they'd send another member of the cult over to your house to paddle you on film and send it to keith rainier nude paddling mind you sounds like a shitty fraternity bro not a shitty fraternity the guy at the top is getting all like literally every day he's like praying that his subordinates fail so that he gets nude paddling videos uh when they got indoctrinated, like when they were initiated into the cult or whatever, they got tattoos. They were they were told they were going to get a mark, and they didn't tell them what the mark was. They showed up for this like unveiling thing, and some dude has a cauterizing iron, and they're branding them with this symbol, which the girl was like, it took 40 minutes. It's a really small thing. I don't really know. Best part is it's this weird symbol that is Allison Mack and Keith Rainier's initials. <laughs> Really? Yes. <laughs> They're literally branding these people with their initials. So Allison Mack cooperated. She pled guilty to like racketeering, but not all the sex charges, like sex trafficking and a bunch of other stuff. Um, like, so I guess her and the other co-founder, um, Nancy Salzman, seemed to have gotten off. Uh, Keith Rainier is facing more. Uh, extensive charges based on child pornography and sex trafficking and a bunch of other stuff. But it's like, I, they seem to have been doing really well. They were attracting, I, let me just say this, whatever the episode is on A&E, it's a series about cults, but right. it was a really engaging episode. But getting you, you getting ACDC shaved in the side of your head and then just being able to shave your head made me think of these poor people that like, we're dumb enough to get someone get branded, get branded with other people's initials and then like go on national television and admit that they did it. Yeah. To me, the most powerful part about being in a cult is like, if you ever wake up and you're like, shit, I'm an idiot. I joined a cult. You're never going to tell anybody because <laughs> you don't ever want to be looked at as the kind of person that was in a cult. Right. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to disagree with you there. 
I think if you live in a cult for years, you're probably part of your healing process. Oh, is to talk about it's it? It's probably talking about being in a cult. That's fair. I, so I'm going to also, since I delve into really unpopular topics, one of the things that was discussed in this, um, this cult documentary um, was uh, one of the guys in the cult sent a video to Keith Rainier that really disturbed him. I must not be a well-adjusted person socially. I understand that. I accept it. I also understand that I am probably desensitized to things like violence. But the video was a Mexican, um, like a uh, cartel video where four dudes in masks behead four women. And it's one of those ones that's like on Faces of Death or whatever where you're just like, oh, look, like it's a PR thing. Like it's like watching a guy cut, uh, you know, guy's head off in Iraq, which I mean I've seen a hundred times or whatever. And I was shocked because like they were like all so fucking mopey about this video. Like, oh, my God, this video just disturbed me. I couldn't sleep after I saw it. And you're like, first of all, you don't know if it's real or not. <laughs> the cult people. <laughs> yeah, the cult people. This one guy who watched it and sent it to <clears throat> Keith Rainier and was like and then the Keith Rainier called him back and was like. Like, like two days later, it's like, let's talk about that video you sent. He's like, you know, let's talk about the different perspectives of all the different people in the video, which like from a cult leader perspective, I, man, I'm like, damn, that's what a way to approach it. Like this person's really uncomfortable about it. And then you make them like dig deeper and like, that's cool. You find out later that Keith Rainier has a science experiment he's doing with women in the cult where they come in and they put like a brainwave helmet on them and like, you know, like they EKG their ass and all this other stuff. And like, then they make them watch that video. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But I'm laughing because like the girl that's talking about it on the show is like crying as she's talking about how traumatic it was. And I'm like, it's a fucking video. Like, I would think being a sex slave would actually be more, more traumatic. traumatic than watching a video. Right? Like, But the thing was, I started to scoff as I watched it. And Kim was like, what? I wouldn't be able to watch that video either. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm not saying that you're voluntarily going to log on to Faces of Death and watch this kind of video. But I'm also saying that if you sat down in a chair and they, you were taking part in a quote unquote experiment and someone had you watching this video, like, I'm sure it would elicit some level of emotional response from you, but also you're probably not going to go on national television and get like super weepy about watching a general distribution video that was on the internet right? that involved the death of four people that you don't know, like, or, and would never know in a cultural environment where you understand that this kind of violence is the, the trade of the day. <laughs> like, right. guess what? A hundred of these happen a day in Mexico or more, right? Like, why are you, I think seeing that type of violence is understandably disturbing to some people. To me, it's way more disturbing when it's tied into some kind of like sexual gratification or oh, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, some, sure. like some weird shit like that where like violence just exists everywhere, right? But it's, it you, is the way we live. Turning like, it into like a fetish is weird. For sure. I, this – there were plenty of fucked up fetish things going on in this cult, but this didn't seem like it was one of them unless he was getting off on seeing the emotional distress of his female acolytes when exposed to those kind of things. Dude, we were in New York for a wedding. Actually, Jeff was there with uh, me and my wife and my wife and I, Jeff was there with, with me, me, my wife and me. I am really the, the excited right to, to see where the segue is going. <laughs> <laughs> We're walking around Midtown and there's the like the sex museum of New York or something. I don't know if it was like a pop up or it's a fucking standard thing. I wish I had my laptop in here. If look this up. is a standard thing, I now feel obligated to go check it out. 
Let's check it out. I'm going to look it up on my phone. Do it. Anyway, um, you know, we're fucking walking around and, hey, like, let's go in there and check it out. Dude, I was, I left that place really not feeling cool about things. Um, <laughs> like what kind of things? It was, uh, so they had, it was like three or four stories and- I mean, it was a big. Pretty, I'm assuming that pretty it wasn't space. three stories dedicated to missionary position, and then a, a one small room of BDSM. No, it was. Uh, they had different exhibits, right? So, yeah. like different themes. Museum of Sex. That's what it is. Is it a long running exhibit? Only three point one stars on Google. No. Uh, is, is, is that a four or five stars? Uh, out of five. Oh, it doesn't sound that good. It's uh, right near the Flatiron Building. Okay. Yeah. So, like, right in right in Midtown. Okay. Um, or I guess Southern Midtown, maybe it's, I feel I like know. you really let us down by not taking us to this place when we went to see Jeremy fifth Avenue and, uh, East what was that 27th street. Anyway, New York city, they had a bunch of different exhibits. Yep. The first one was medical porn. All right. No, I'm assuming Which, this isn't like where. Like I sprain my ankle when I go to the doctor, and then the doctor is a hot chick. In, oh, man. With this, no underwear. This on. is like no. The first video I saw were these two people. I don't know. You don't oh, know. They, if they have like, videos in this museum. Yeah. So the whole thing is like a lot of it is videos. Is porno pornographic so, or like yeah, yeah all oh. like pornos just playing on TVs. Oh. They had you know some like history of sex. Like you know they've got a room that's like. You know, like a dildo from like the 1870s or something, you know, like, I don't know, just weird. Do they know it's a dildo or is it just like a phallic shaped rock? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like, we found from, this thing in, a, in an archaeological dig. We assume it's a dildo. It, it was like sex devices from the 50s. Okay. Yeah, like shit, like whatever. It's Masters like and Johnson's The type. fucking, yes. Yeah, yeah, got it. Smithsonian of sex. Okay. But most of it was these exhibits that were mainly video based. The medical one. There were these two people. I don't. You don't know if they were men or women. That were in these like uh, mortician, like gray rubber coats. You know, um, do morticians wear gray rubber coats? I don't. Maybe not mortician, but like a autopsy guy in a TV show or something. Uh, you know what I mean? Like so he's a, in like a, a lab coat made out of latex or something. Yeah, like a fucking. You're gonna be like sawing a dude. Like shit's gonna splatter oh, on you. That you're gonna like Jesus Christ. Need to like hose off type. Coat. This is some you know like I mean? Eli Roth type shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're wearing basically like gas masks, yeah. you know, like with like the big black circular eyes. Yeah. Um, less of a less are, of an. Are the oxygen canisters removed so you have access to the good parts? No, but like <laughs> the oxygen canisters canisters like really small. I mean, ah. it's not. It's clearly not. Me- it's more of a mask than it is like a gas mask, okay. right? And there's a fucking dude strapped to the table, and they take this saline syringe. And stick it in his fucking nutsack and blow this dude's nutsack up to the size of like a (laughs) fucking basketball. Okay, so I I want to go on record as saying this podcast is being recorded the day after my mom called (laughs) (laughs) and announced that she was listening to our podcast and she wanted to correct the record on some things that I'd said. (laughs) And uh, then uh, I told her, I was like, "Uh, you didn't listen to the whole thing, did you? And she was like, well, no. And I was like, oh, thank God, because you didn't hear the part where Aaron confessed to having a maraschino cherry shoved in his butthole or punching a woman in the face. And my mom said, maybe I should have listened to the whole thing because you sounded like a real jerk in the beginning. (laughs) And I I would have appreciated a portion that made Aaron sound like a jerk. And I was like, so... 
this mom? isn't me being a jerk. No, 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 no. Mom, if you're listening, Aaron's talking about uh, saline injections into some poor well, strapped down so man's the, testicles. The whole thing was that people use saline is like a, a safe way to, to like play medical stuff. In a sexual, if I went to a, a doctor way. and a doctor put saline into me, dude, this isn't a doctor. No, I mean, but they're playing. This, oh, you're just saying medicalized, like it's it's like a process, like they people it's feeling like, like I can I can pretend to inject you with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're using saline water, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still fucked up, man. Like in my, who watches a video like that? It's like, yeah, that's the shit that gets me off. Anyway, I mean, honestly, I feel uncomfortable listening to you recount it. It's fucking super weird, man. I'm also not here to kink shame people. So like I understand when I when I know I know that people get off on having like a thousand like uh, hypodermic needles stuck in them or laced and stuff like that. I don't judge them, but also it gives me the fucking like it's kind of yeah the heebie-jeebies my skin is crawling when i think about it um it is the exact opposite of sexual arousal so i think the whole thing about this is that it was the stuff they were showing was super extreme yeah it was very it wasn't but it was kink when you think of yeah but when i think of like medical kink you know it doesn't i don't think of again i'm going to make a Mad Men reference i don't think about it at all all right like when when someone else brings it up yeah when i think when i see it i'm when i walk into the exhibit yeah yeah yeah. and i'm like oh we're gonna see oh medical kink medical fetish porn that was way further you're thinking about a video camera inside of a glass dildo right and so one one of the other things was food fetish porn right Cake okay, farts. what are you thinking? Cake, some cake farts, like some fat chicks are like eating food. Nope, you know, thinking whatever. about a girl farting on a cake, dude. It was like really weird, like force feeding these like fat chicks food that like didn't want to eat anymore. Uh, like it wasn't like like uh, seven. Yeah, man. Like, like it was fed that guy spaghetti till he burst. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just like uh, some kind of like weird control thing. <sighs> you know, I mean. I can I can even get the whole like oh I just want to watch some like fucking smear cake all over their tits or some shit like that like okay whatever <laughs> um, so and then I guess the, last the whole one, thing goes into like the I mean what we were talking about with cults anyway right like all of that is very suggestive like yeah. it's all like it's I guess that if that arouses you I think that I think that it's one reason. I don't even know how to get into this psychologically except to say that like I feel like sometimes people sexualize things like that because they want to feel a sense of shame and and I don't know if that stems from other things that you've like it the dirtier it feels or or the more like the more there's a power shift the more attractive it is because that is the way you first experienced a sexual encounter was in like a very uneven power balance. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I think that some people are pleasers. Some people like get off on like, you know, feeling exploited. Obviously they don't want to be exploited right. um, in the kink community. At least in my experience, people are much better at communicating these things too, which is also off putting because mm-hmm. like you see this like super fucked up shit but it's even weirder when you realize that they negotiated every single minute detail. So like the person that you're like, Oh my God, I would never let anyone do something like that to me. They like very clearly outlined exactly how they wanted it done to them at the beginning. Like, yeah, these are things that are okay with me. You can shoot saline to my nutsack. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm sure that the person doing it is like, oh, I shoot saline to people's nutsacks all the time. Like I'm an expert at it and everyone's comfortable and they do it. And we're just sitting on the sidelines. Like, 
what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> totally, man. Yeah, I, you know, look, t- I'm going to have you, own. I'm going to have you feed me these three trays of spaghetti. I'm going to tell you, I don't want you to feed me the spaghetti, but you're going to have to keep feeding me the spaghetti deal deal handshake. Yeah. Now feed me the spaghetti. Get ready to resuscitate yep. <laughs> me when I start choking on it and yep. fucking pass out. Yep. Super, super do weird. You, do you know the Heimlich? <laughs> I definitely get though, like why I would be off putting to have to walk through an entire museum of that. I, after you telling this, I recant my desire to go to said museum. Yeah, I'm sure the exhibits change regularly, but I walked out of there feeling like that was just not cool. No, yeah. Well, you didn't know what you're getting into. Yeah. There was not consent before you you went into the sex museum. Exactly. Uh, Right on. And that's probably why it's got 3.1 stars on Google. A lot of people went in there not knowing what they were going to expect. Yeah. Kind of like MoMA. You go into MoMA and you think you're going to see some really impressive art, but you really just see shit stacked on shit. Depends. Um, the building's really great, though. <laughs> so is the Guggenheim. Yeah. Well, uh, Guggenheim's an experience. You have to You have to do it. But I mean, a lot of the time when I've gone and visited, I'm like, what the fuck is this art? I pretend that I find it to be very visually compelling and, and emotive. But what I'm really thinking is... I'm going to give you a conspiracy theory. Oh, go. All right. I think that the entire art market is built upon a foundation of money laundering. So you think that the, like what the the Illuminati or alternately? I don't think it's the Illuminati. I think, I think it's, it's organized crime. I think it's organized crime. I think it's corrupt politicians in other countries. I think it's people breaking the law here. There's no easier way to take sixty million dollars across a border and then liquidate it somewhere else in, a, in, 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 in like an untraceable fashion. Right. What was the so, painting that <clears throat> recently popped up that the king of Saudi Arabia bought and no one's seen it? I think it was like a Picasso, maybe. It was like or, the highest. Yeah, yeah. Like the highest like auction piece of art. $450 million or something. Yeah, it was supposed to go in a museum and then it never yeah, showed it up. Like, eh, it wasn't. Uh, it was uh, Prince uh, Al-Walid, I think. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. I, I mean, let's say that you are the corrupt ruler or dictator or just high government official of, you've you've accrued five hundred billion know, dollars like, in human suffering. Yeah, some mid tier. Yep. You know, but you country. can't move it because Interpol's on your tail, dude. Your museum buys fucking hundred million dollars worth of art. I just like no to one say even Interpol. knows you have a fucking museum anywhere. You take that shit to Switzerland or wherever. You, I mean, you put it on a plane, fucking fly it across. Across the border. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah, man. Then it fucking pops up at like Sotheby's. Yep. You know, it goes into auction. Some other dude buys it. Either some guy that's like super wealthy that wants to fucking hang it on his on his wall or someone else that needs to fucking move that cash around. But I don't th- I think that so much of it is moving cash around that that artificially inflates the values. Did you ever watch uh the greatest work of art ever engineered by Banksy, which was Exit Through the Gift Shop, that documentary. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I love that documentary. Yeah, man. I love that it starts out like a joke. Like It starts out like this dude is going to do a documentary on Banksy, but really the documentary is about the dude and it's made by Banksy. Right. And it's all done to sell cheap shill art that Banksy knows he couldn't sell through this other dude. <laughs> like we've created a fake artist to sell millions of dollars of art to a bunch of people that want anything that's 
I like Banksy, man. The shredder thing. Was yeah, cool. no, everything Banksy does is cool. That that documentary, though, like I swear to God, like the whole time I'm watching when when the plot turned, when there was the twist, when Banksy's like, well, I guess the joke was on us, you know, but I'm like, no, you did this. Like, you made this whole documentary. You picked this guy, Terry, this like weird idiosyncratic French dude. And you made him into this specifically like this is a big inside joke. I know it is. There's right. no way that this guy, Terry just made all this money just being a dick, you know, like stealing other people's art, you which never, you yeah, never know, man. I mean, true story. I like conspiracy theories yesterday. Who, who was in the office question? Oh, it was Brent. Brent was questioning. I authoritatively said, that that Russia is a cesspool of inbreeding and um, and genetic mutation due to nuclear fallout because in 1989 the U.S. engaged in a first strike operation against Russia and Russia was too proud to admit it and the United States was too embarrassed to say anything about it and so everything that we see coming out of Russia is really a side effect of, of a nuclear holocaust executed by the United States. Chernobyl? No, no. We just did it. We just launched a bunch of missiles at them in 89. And it didn't show up no, anywhere? No, nobody talked about it. Man. Uh, no, I said it. I said it in the gym. And <laughs> Brent's like, where the fuck did you read that? And I'm literally realizing that merely insinuating that this is something that happened has created a conspiracy <laughs> theory in itself. So I didn't I mean, admit you, that I just made it? it up. No, no, I just made it up right, then right. in I, the gym. I feel a lot better now. No, but you like the, your face just now. You're like, wait, you believe that thing? <laughs> no, I just made, I just made it up All right. specifically because I was, we were talking about some sort of conspiracy thing and I was like, oh yeah, man, about like Russian people, dash cams, like the, the, the Russian dash cams. Yeah. It's all the proof I need that everyone in Russia is really like an addle-brained uh, nuclear fallout-affected humanoid <laughs> as a result of the one-sided nuclear war of 1989. Um, I think it's just too much vodka, man. Um, absolutely. They do that to deal with the pain from the nuclear fallout. <laughs> the radiation <laughs> Yeah, the radiation therapy. therapy. So it's, it's funny because Brent's like, where did you read that, man? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like eventually, like. 30 seconds later, not very long. I'm like, no, man, I just made that up right now. He's, no, 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 where did you read it? No, literally, I just made it up right now as a joke. He goes, oh, all right. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm sad to hear that Brent thought that. I don't think he thought it was real, but that's why I segued into that whole thing where I believe that the weakest minds I've ever met, like genuinely nice and thoughtful people with the weakest minds I've ever met are people that are Holocaust deniers. <laughs> Oh, for sure. We're like, there's one Dude, well, memo. How about flat earthers? I don't even understand that. Like the Holocaust denial thing. Like I get what the motivation is. I understand that people, a people want to be part of like something like that. No one else knows about. And B, they want it to seem like it's common knowledge that people have, have like overlooked. It makes people feel like they're smarter than everyone else in the room. Right. I think it's just racist assholes. I mean, I think it's part of it. I think it's part of the motivation, but I think that people really do get off on like feeling that they have a leg up. Like if you're a mental midget explaining to someone else that you know something that they don't makes you feel smart as fuck. <laughs> like, hey, you know, you're an idiot. The Holocaust never happened. And then you explain and you like look at primary documents, you know, that are like it's like, well, what about this? memo from the red cross that says that only a hundred thousand Jews were killed in this, uh, this series of 
internment camps, and they, they was all it was mostly about disease, but that the Germans really aren't such bad people. What about that? Well, I don't actually know, but if I Google that memo, it seems that it was widely refuted as I mean, it's basic history, misinformation. Man. It's basic history influenced by the Jews, Aaron. <laughs> They have their fingers in all the media, but no, like literally I've, I've had these talks with guys where I'm like, man, like it really is basic history. Like we have like, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are not Jewish, who witnessed the atrocities of the internment camps in Eastern Europe. Dude, I don't think we have to justify that the Holocaust exists. No, but I guess what I'm saying is that there's, you know, jet fuel doesn't melt steel. The Holocaust didn't happen, at least not on the scale that people say it happened historically. Um, you know, like all of these things are, they're difficult to stomach. Like they don't even make me mad anymore. People don't want to believe, man. I mean, I guess. I mean. I think some people just have a hard time dealing with reality. Right? Like so it's reality, easier to believe in like a super twisted alternate reality? Totally. Totally. It's an issue of denial. So the counterpoint to to 11 Saudis, like ideologically motivated Saudis flying a series of, of uh, airliners into public buildings in the United States is that there is a global conspiracy orchestrated by thousands of people you previously trusted who shot rockets at American citizens. Right. <laughs> Which is easier to believe. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm not saying it's easier to believe. I'm just saying your brain works. I think your brain will not let you go down certain paths. This is a little bit different because this is more of a memory thing. Oh, is it the Berenstein Bears? No. <laughs> um, a few months ago, we were out to dinner with some friends. And my wife referenced, she's like, yeah, it's like that time. Do you remember like that time that you got pulled up on stage in Las Vegas? Oh, I do the remember telling the story. Show? Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? But you don't remember that, right? I have no recollection of this happening. But you're on stage. And my wife's like, no, no, no. Like the clown came into the audience. The whole thing was that here's the setup. This is in Vegas, right? Yeah. We went to Vegas. My wife really wanted to see this, the O, circle, the yeah. water show, okay. Cirque du Soleil. We got tickets. We got there. Sidebar: Is it worth the money? I don't. I mean, you don't even remember going on stage, but I mean, like, could you? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, is it? Is those, it are those shoes cool? I mean, are those shows cool? They're interesting. Is it worth making your wife happy? Oh, I mean, that's a valid question. Sure, but I mean, I just didn't know. Like, I've always been like, man, is the Blue Man Group everything? If I go to Vegas by myself, do I sit at a Cirque du Soleil show? No, no. Okay, I'd rather feast on sushi and steak. That's and play crabs. That's all I needed to hear. That means the answer is that no, it is not as cool as I thought it was. If I were going to go see a show in Vegas by myself, I would probably go see a comedy show. Okay. Speaking of which, Tom Segura is coming to Deepak, and you should buy tickets. Um, Noted. <laughs> anyway, so. There was this old fuck and his wife that were in our seats. Their tickets were wrong, right? But he was like, no, look. this." In the, so we get an usher. He won't move. The usher's like, you guys are in the wrong seats. Security comes. The guy starts screaming. The usher's like, listen, give me a second. They move us into the like the fourth row, into like the fucking the comp seats, right? Yeah. Just, let's just let the show start and fucking settle this whole thing down. So... We're right up front. Yeah, my wife's like, dude, this fucking clown came down, picked you out of the crowd, p 
pulled you out. You were on stage for like five minutes as part of this one part of the act. How do you not remember this? I don't fucking remember any of it. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, you, clearly, I don't even think I'm nervous about that kind of shit, but clearly there was something going on. Clearly, like, clearly I did not like the attention were or you something. Were wasted? No. No. I just, I'm going to that opening. Like, you know, you know, we've all talked about like mind expansion. To the and it wasn't embarrassing. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, I, I remember a fucking stripper shoving a cherry <laughs> into my asshole and I'm willing to tell that story <laughs> to the world. Right. But like, yeah. Going but you can't remember. This makes me feel like you must have been doing drugs or something. Maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think it's weird. Like, I, I think there's something about that experience that my mind has just decided that it's not going to, it's not going to allow it to remember. Like that's not going to be part of my reality. Well, I guess so. I mean, maybe this answers whether search just like is awesome or not. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly you were so traumatized by it that you blocked it out of your life. Yeah, man. Now I cry every time I see clown porn. I'm not. <laughs> woo. Right on. Is it, is that a thing? Clown porn? Yeah. I mean, dude, everything is a thing. I once saw a video where, um, there was where Gargamel was forcing his will on Smurfette. Wow. It was a girl dressed up as, I mean, she was like head to toe blue ink. I was like, what is happening right now? I, People well, are into that. I would check that out. Um, <laughs> years uh, ago, cosplay. Years ago, we bought a, a film called Throbin Hood with, uh, Rock. I like that you you should have said I because you've certainly just outed someone as your co-conspirator <laughs> in consumption <laughs> of odd niche thematic <clears throat> pornography. Ron Jeremy is fryer fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a good segue. Uh, how does someone like, I mean, aside from obviously being gifted in the, you know, phallic territory, how does Ron Jeremy become a porn star? Was he I don't think I've ever seen him young and attractive. Yeah, I think. Did he just perform I well? I think he came from a previous time, man, when it was probably on the cusp of shit going to VHS. Where guys were, where guys like, were less gay back then, so it wasn't important that the well, male think, lead be attractive. Think about the fact. <laughs> yeah, think about the fact that this stuff used to only be in theaters. Right. And, and only weirdos in trench coats would go in there and like beat off to it. Yeah, like it was a totally different thing. Fair enough. So I think, in fact, a guy I went to high school with, his uncle made a lot of money by going out to L.A. And and maybe this is his great uncle. I think he worked for some consulting company like Anderson Consulting or something Mm. like that. His first job out of college was that consulting company. His first post or whatever assignment was doing something for Hustler. So he goes out to to LA, let's let's say like mid seventies or something. Yeah, and what they found was that all of these porn companies, the film warehouses that stored film for like major studios, refused to take their business. So they started this business that was just storing like reels of film of porn. That was a huge success. And then they successfully transitioned to VHS distribution. But that was like a major shift in the industry going away from actual film reels to the like to VHS, home video market. To home video. Right. And so like that was a thing for a while. And that probably 
democratized porn a little bit more. I like, also think it probably still had to be produced, but it probably anyone, helped with like late nineties gentrification of urban areas too. Cause it wasn't like a bunch of people trying to go to fucking yeah. peep shows and dude. I mean, New York city was a shithole. Yeah. Right. Times square is now Disney store. I mean, it used to be all porn theaters and yep. stuff. So it's crazy. Anyway, no, the more, you know, yeah, I mean, that's not even a conspiracy theory. It's, not, it's just <laughs> straight up straight history. Man. Um, so I don't think we actually talked about anything this week. I don't think we ever really talk about anything. That's fair. That's kind of the point. I feel like um, this is we're either on a rocket ship bound for meteor me, meteoric success, or we are trolling along in the bottom of the ocean like SpongeBob SquarePants. Just no one knows. Yeah, there was a Jewish couple that lived in the sea. <laughs> Aaron and Doug. <laughs> we should get like little Star David tattoos near the corner. <laughs> On the corners of our eyes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't even know. I can't even right now, Aaron. <laughs> um, well. All right. Well, Brian will be gone next week too, so we'll make a, a blind stab at producing our own podcast. There won't be any video footage for you to laugh at. Um, we'll probably badmouth them again. Um, we should save this so that it doesn't get lost. Yeah, like the one mystery one. Yeah, I also think that it is worth noting um, <clears throat> that we have we're other new content that we're creating. We're going to be doing athlete versus athlete competitions. But I think mm -hmm. to to kick it off for real, we're going to have uh, employee versus employee challenges. So we will keep a running log of who is out of the office more, Chris Van Brink or Brian Hisk. <laughs> and whoever wins that challenge will win a uh, bright, shiny race car to a new job. So I hope that uh, Brian enjoys listening to this podcast as much as you guys do. And uh, maybe he will be in next week. So uh, until next time, ciao.